Well, let me invite you to grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Let me say happy Easter to you. This morning as I'm preaching in an empty sanctuary, my, my heart is grieved in one sense of the word because we're, we're not able to gather together as the church has done every Easter to proclaim together that Jesus is resurrected. But I'm so grateful that whether you're in your living room on your couch or sitting at your kitchen table or you're watching this from the break room at your job, I'm so thankful that regardless of where you are, and even though we can't all be together, I am so grateful that today is the day that we remember and declare that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, that he once for all dealt the death blow to death itself and defeated sin, hell, Satan, and the grave. Easter is the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, where Every word that he proclaimed is proven true in the moment that he woke from that grave. And so I'm excited this morning that, in fact, while we can't gather together, we can still gather around God's word and hear again the beautiful truth of Easter. And this morning, we will find this truth in the words of Jesus found in John chapter 11. We have at Elkdale been walking through the Gospel of John, looking particularly at the seven I am statements of Jesus. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes a declaration using the phrase, I am. He will say, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And with each one of those seven statements, he is revealing to us who he is, why he came, and why we need him. And this morning, it is appropriate for our Easter Sunday to find in John chapter 11, Jesus declaring, I am the resurrection and the life. And so I want to invite you to join me in John chapter 11, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to make our way through this text together. L let me pray for us. Father, this Easter morning, as we open your word and we see again that you are the source of life, that you are the resurrection, that in you we find the answer to death, to the grave. Father, we find the answer to the shackles of sin being cast from us. Lord, in you we find everything we need. I pray this morning that no matter who is watching this and where they may be tuning in, I pray as we look at your word, we would be reminded again and our hearts would be stirred and our eyes would be lifted and we would know and we would celebrate that Jesus is alive and nothing, no nothing, will ever stop Him. Father, give us, give us this morning more uh, a fresh, a new, uh, a sense of awe and wonder as we study your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In John chapter 11, we have a pretty familiar or famous Bible story. In fact, it's one of the longest narratives in the Gospel of John. It's very detailed. And it is the story of Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life. It is, in fact, a resurrection story. It is the story in which Lazarus, who has been deceased for some time, and Jesus appears and, and brings him out of the tomb. Now, some ten chapters later, we will find Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, so the story of Lazarus looms as a foreshadowing of the Easter story. 
It is, in fact, a, a, a kickstart, if you will, to the Easter story. Because when Jesus performs this miracle of bringing Lazarus out of the grave, he will start the ball rolling, if you will, of the Jews wanting to arrest him and put him to death. He will begin the Easter story. In fact, in John chapter 11, it is the last miracle sign, the large miracle sign that Jesus will perform for the crowds until his own death and burial. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk you through John chapter 11, and I want you to see it from the perspective of Easter. I want you to see it when Jesus declares, I am the resurrection, what it means for you and for me. And the story's pretty easy to follow. It has four scenes. There are four different acts, if you will, in the Gospel of John chapter 11. And each scene reveals for us a, a truth about Jesus, a statement from Jesus. And so the first scene, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the promise of Jesus. In the first scene, I just simply want you to see the promise of Jesus. Look with me at John chapter 11. Let me read to you the first 16 verses. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his uh, feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, whom you love, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, are not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he meant that he was taking a rest. Verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. We have in the text the first scene. And in it, we get a promise from Jesus. Now, if you will, we're just going to walk through the verses together. In verses 1 and 2, we get the background, the context. Jesus is not near Bethany. Bethany is about two miles outside of Jerusalem. It's near the hotbed of the Jewish center. And back in chapter 10, Jesus had just ran from the city after healing a man because they wanted to stone him. And so he went away because it wasn't time for his crucifixion. So, so traveling near Jerusalem would have been very dangerous for Jesus. But Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who is two sisters and a brother, are very dear to Jesus. In fact, verses 1 and 2 tell us that Mary is the one who anointed his feet and wiped it with her hair. They have a bond together. Whenever Jesus would come to Jerusalem, he would stay in their home. He would visit with them. They were very close and personal friends. And so we find that Lazarus is sick. And they send word to Jesus. Verse 3, we find a beautiful phrase. It says, So the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, this is one of those call for help moments. 
They don't say come quickly. They don't say hurry. They simply know Jesus loves Lazarus and Jesus is friends with Lazarus. So all he has to hear is that Lazarus is ill and they know out of the compassion of Jesus, he will do something. They expect him to come to the aid of his close and personal friend. But I want you to notice the promise in verse 4. This is beautiful for us to hear. In verse 4 he says, But when Jesus heard it said, This illness did not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now there's a beautiful promise in the text. Jesus, understanding that Lazarus is sick and that Lazarus will eventually die, for Jesus knew this. Jesus even knows that by the end of the story, he will bring Lazarus out of the grave. But, but what's interesting here is the promise that Jesus makes to his disciples is that this illness that Lazarus has will lead to the glory of God being revealed. And now, brothers and sisters, why is that good for us to hear? Because I want you to know that in all of the struggle, in all of the trials, in all of the things that we bear in this world, God is at work. God is moving. God is doing more than we can see or understand. And God is always working for the good of those who love Him and walk according to His ways. And so Jesus knows that the death of Lazarus, the sickness of Lazarus, won't end in death. It'll end in worship. It'll end in revival. That what we see is death and a closed door and an ending to a story and mourning and grief, Jesus sees as the gateway into a fresh and wonderful revelation of God for His people. And this is good for us because we often see closed doors and hard times and death and sickness and we don't see all that God is doing. And He tells us in this promise that not even death will stop the plans of God. That the glory of God will be revealed. Even death won't thwart that. That it will be done. But I want you to notice verse 5 because it tells us again, Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. And then verse 6, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, I don't know if you understand the definition of love. But if I get word that my close personal friend has been taken ill, if I get word that my brother or cousin or mom or dad has been taken ill and I'm off somewhere, if, if I'm Jesus, I'm probably looking at my disciples and saying, drop everything, find the fastest horse, we got to go. But instead, Jesus loves Lazarus. Now look at the next verse, verse 6. Love made Jesus delay. Now that seems odd to us. In our definition of love, it means rescue, it means hurry, it means scoop up, it means get to the problem and help and aid. But in Jesus' divine plan, he understood that love in this moment was waiting. Now why would he do this? Because in this moment, Jesus understood there's something bigger here than just the physical death of Lazarus. There is the strengthening of his disciples who will eventually see Jesus' own death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and be left to carry the message into the world. And so they needed their faith strengthened. He understands also that, they, that Mary and Martha will need their faith strengthened. And so he is working a plan that's bigger than ours. So love at this point means Jesus delays. Now, why do I tell you that? Because brothers and sisters, we should understand that sometimes when it feels like God is not there or not listening or it seems harder than it should be, it might just be that the God who loves us knows what he's doing. 
It might just be that we should step back and understand that, yes, God seems to be delaying and he doesn't seem to be moving or rescuing like I would want him to do. But God has made a promise that this doesn't lead to death. This doesn't lead to final decisions, that he is working. And what's he working for? The glory of God. And here's the beautiful truth about this promise that Jesus makes. When the glory of God is revealed, the people of God are blessed. You see, Jesus makes a promise. This illness will not end in death. The glory of God is the promise. The glory of God will be revealed. But what happens when the glory of God is revealed? The disciples' faith will be strengthened. Mary and Martha's faith will be strengthened. There will some in the crowd will choose to follow Jesus and be saved. And Lazarus himself will come back from death. So when the glory of God is revealed, when the promise is fulfilled, everything else begins to bless the people of God. So my prayer, my prayer in those hard moments in those tough moments, in those what we might say in this Easter season, those good Friday moments where it seems like chaos and God needs to move and God needs to rescue and it doesn't seem like anything's happening and death seems to be all around us. In those moments, here's what I think we need to do. We need to stop and remember that the love of God, the agape, the unstoppable love of God is doing what is best for us and what is best for us is revealing the goodness and the glory of the Father. And so Jesus makes a promise. I promise you that the glory of God will be revealed. I promise you that this will go as it's supposed to go. Then we go a little further. In verse 7 it says, Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea. Now it's time. Now it's time to go do the plan. And the disciples said, Rabbi, you were almost stoned there last time. This is dangerous. This is a suicide. In fact, down in verse 16, Thomas will say, let us go and die with him. I don't think Thomas is necessarily displaying great faith. I think he's realizing this is nuts. This is a suicide mission. If we follow you this close to Jerusalem, they're certainly going to get you. And in fact, if you were to take your Bible and scan down To verse 45, you'll notice that after Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave, the Jews begin to plot to kill him. That in fact, it is a suicide mission. In fact, Jesus, ironically, will go and display the glory of God by bringing Lazarus out of the tomb and in fact, put himself in the tomb. He will in fact become death where Lazarus will become life so that Lazarus may live. Jesus will change places with Lazarus and with all of us. So this is the, day, the idea. But I, but I want you to see one more truth before we leave this first thought, and that's simply this. Look at verse 11. Or excuse me, uh, verse 9. Jesus answered the 12. There, he answered them, There are 12 hours in the day. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Jesus is simply saying this, I have come to do the work of my Father. And my father is casting light on my work. And I'm going to do the work of my father until he tells me not to do it. I'm going to obey my father. I'm not going to make decisions out of fear of the crowd, out of fear of losing my own life. I'm going to do what I've come to do. I'm going to walk in the light of the father and not be tempted by the darkness to run to safety. I'm going to obey God. And that will bring glory of the father and that will bless his people. So the first truth I want you to see is simply this. Jesus promises that in all of his working, the glory of God will be revealed and that will be good for us. The second scene, we find a second truth and that's simply this. We find the pronouncement of Jesus. We find this pronouncement that he makes, this announcement, this declaration that he makes. Look with me at verse 17. He says in verse 17, now when Jesus came and found Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Now four days means that hope is lost. 
Four days means that the grieving and the hugs and the tears and the potluck has already taken place. Four days means that it's over. That it's moved from a deep coma, from a sickness, from something that Jesus could have done until now it is final. The tomb has been sealed, the dead body has been placed, and life is beginning to have to go back to a new and normal working. But notice what it says in verse 18. In four days, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And when the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met. But Mary remained in the house. One goes and one stays. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I want you to see verse 22 and verse 21 together. He says, but even I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Now, what's funny here is that it's almost like Martha's doing double talk. She's doing double speech. Verse 21, she gives her raw emotion. Jesus, if you had been here, he would not have died. I know you can heal the sick. I've seen you heal the sick. We know that you're able to make those that are approaching death come back towards good health. Jesus, where have you been? Why didn't you come? Can you imagine can you imagine the thoughts that Mary and Martha must have had when they sat for those four days staring down the road, looking out the window, every time a body walked in the room wondering if it was Jesus? Where is Jesus? I thought Jesus loved us. I thought He cared about us. I thought He was with us. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And so Martha, with all of her raw emotion, she expresses, Jesus, if you had only showed up. She has no thought of resurrection. She simply knows him as able to be a healer. But in verse 22, it's almost as if she catches herself. She goes back from her heart's emotion to her mind's doctrine, and she says, but I know that you can ask the Father and he'll give you what you want, meaning I, I know you're special. I know you're from God. I still love you. I I'm not walking away from you, but, but I just want you to know that you could have fixed this if you'd have showed up. And then Jesus begins to give her this pronouncement. I love this because Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't get mad at her. He begins to enter into her pain and he begins to show her. So what does Jesus say in verse 23? Your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus gives her what we all say at funerals. There's coming a day where the Lord will return, the final day, the last day, the, the day of the resurrection, and all of those bodies that have been laid in the ground will come up out of the ground, and those that are alive will meet Christ in the air. And so he gives her the, the doctrine that they would have believed, and, and Martha echoes that. Lord, I know. I know that down the road, at some future point, you're going to resurrect the dead. I believe that. But Jesus, I'm hurting right now. I'm in pain now. What about now. And so what does Jesus say to her? Look at verse 25. And Jesus said to her, and here is this famous pronouncement. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said in verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God that is coming into the world. Here's what Jesus does. 
Jesus hears Martha's doctrine of resurrection. Yes, I believe God's going to resurrect everybody. Yes, my brother will one day eventually come out of that tomb. Yes, in the last day. God, I know the doctrine of the final resurrection. And what Jesus does is he turns doctrine into a person. He turns theology into a person. He says, Martha, It is not a doctrine of resurrection that will bring your brother out of the tomb. It is not belief in some theology that will bring your brother out of the tomb. It is me. I am the resurrection, Jesus declares. And wherever I am, there is life. Wherever I am, death runs. Wherever I am, there is healing. There is goodness. There is mercy. There is salvation. Wherever I am, the resurrection is there. Jesus uses the words interchangeably. I am the resurrection. The resurrection am I. If I am there, death is not. And so he looks at her and he says, Martha, theology of the last day is good. That's good knowledge. That's good to believe in. But know this, when you have Jesus, you already have the resurrection. You already have life eternal. You already have the moments there. And and we know Jesus knows this because when he was talking to his disciples, he said, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, that's an interesting term. He meant death, but to Jesus, what is death? Death is just sleep. It's just transition. It's just moving from this lost world into the eternal kingdom. Death is precious in the eyes of the Lord to those that love him and and pass away in that sight. And so he looks at Martha and he says, Martha, I am that resurrection. This is why on the last day when the Lord returns, we won't get up out of our tomb because of a doctrine. We'll get up out of our tomb because the Lord Jesus has returned. That in him is life, and death runs and hides. He makes this pronouncement. The answer to death, brothers and sisters, is a person. The answer to death is Jesus. The answer to the separation of God is Jesus. The answer to all of your questions when it comes to life after death is Jesus. You must know Jesus if you are to know eternal life, if you are to know resurrection. And look what he asked Martha. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Verse 26, do you believe? Now there is the Easter question for us this morning. Easter is the celebration that Jesus is the Son of God, sent into the world to live a perfect life, to carry on all of the commandments of God without breaking them, without moving from them. Easter is the celebration that Jesus Christ, though he was perfect and sinless, allowed himself to be tried as a criminal, allowed himself to have the sins of the world laid on his shoulders, to be a substitute for those of us who are sinners, to atone for, to pay for our sins. Easter is that Jesus went to the cross and he was nailed to the cross and the very wrath of God, the very pain of God that's going to be poured out on sin was poured out on his shoulders and he was ripped from God's holy presence and he was buried in the tomb and then Easter declares that on the third day, on this Sunday, he rose from the grave declaring victory over death, hell, and the grave. Easter is Jesus is salvation and so he asks Martha, Do you believe this? And so I ask you, do you believe this? Brother or sister, when you you draw your last breath, what will be your hope of life eternal? 
What are you, what are you banking on? What are you, what are you pleading? What do you think will, will usher you into the presence of God? Because the only answer is found in this pronouncement. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the only way for you to experience eternal life, the only way for you to come out of the grave on that last day, the only way for you to be ushered into the kingdom of the eternal God is to believe as Martha did in verse 27. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ the Son of God. You must believe. Faith binds us to the resurrection. Not our power, not our might, not our ability, not our theology, not our doctrine, but faith, trusting that Jesus is the resurrection. So Jesus makes a promise. God's glory will be revealed. This will not end in death. He makes a pronouncement to Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then in the third scene, we see something very special in the text for you and I that that need comfort in the day of death, that need comfort in the day of sickness. We're here in this lost and dying world, and we find ourselves turned over. And so in this third scene, we see the pain of Jesus. We see Jesus displaying for us his empathy and his kindness. Look with me at verse 28. It said, And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying, Private, the teacher is here and calling for you. He's had his moment with Martha, whom he loves. Now he will have his moment with Mary, the other sister of Lazarus. And in verse 29, and when she heard it, she rose and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Somewhere outside of the village, somewhere resting on a, on a stump or a stone, Jesus has not made himself known yet to all of the crowd. Verse 31, when the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her and saw her quickly leave, they thought she was going back to the graveyard. She's going back to weep. So they were, they were going to go with him. Verse 32, Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is the second time we've seen this phrase. Lord, we know that you are from God and we know that you have the power to heal the sick and make the blind to see and multiply the bread and walk on water. And we know that if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here before my brother died, you could have healed him. But now he's dead. And, and Lord, n- nobody can conquer death. No, nobody can reach over to that side of the tomb. It's gone now. It's over. It's been four days. It, there's no hope left. We find that, that Mary and Martha are not fully understanding what's happening. And this is why Jesus tells his disciples, I, I, I'm glad this happened. Not that I'm glad that Lazarus died, but I'm glad that this takes place so that I can show you the glory of God and who I am. So notice what happens. He says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, verse 33, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And here's the shortest English verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Verse 37. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind? And also he could have kept this man from dying. There's the third time we find that he almost could have healed him if he'd have been there. But there's no hope after death. But I want you to notice what we find in this. Think about what Jesus does here. Jesus tells us earlier in John, or in another passage of John, I am the great shepherd. Meaning he leads his sheep. He tends to his sheep. He cares for his sheep. Well, the beautiful part of this is that Martha and Mary are different. And the great shepherd knows that. 
For Martha, she needed to understand that her doctrine must be a relationship. She needed knowledge. She needed understanding. She needed wisdom. But for Mary, she needed empathy and comfort. She didn't need Jesus to teach her some lesson at that moment. She needed Jesus to enter in her pain with her. Why? Because our Lord knew what Martha needed and what Mary needed, and he met both of their needs, and neither one he rebuked. He met them where they were. He heard their complaint. He entered into their problem and in their pain, and he gave them himself. And notice what it says in the text about Jesus. Jesus, it says here, there are three phrases that tell us about the pain of Jesus. In verse 33, it says, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. These two words are a little bit different in the Greek. One of them actually has the connotation of a, a horse snorting and stomping. It means to be physically agitated. It means to be upset. It means to, to tremble in your body. That he was visibly angry and agitated and upset with what was going on. And then we find why, in verse 35, he begins to weep. Now, why do we have this picture? Because Jesus enters into the pain with Mary. Now, now the mind-blowing thing here is, Jesus knows in just a few moments, he's going to call Lazarus out of that grave. So he's not weeping over the fact that Lazarus is necessarily in the tomb and unrescuable. He knows he's going to pull him out of the grave. He's weeping here for several reasons. One, he's weeping because he sees with his own eyes the effects of sin. Sin has entered into our world and caused our bodies to decay and caused us to experience death, caused us to experience the pain of being ripped away from loved ones, and he sees what sin has done to his creation. He weeps also. Because he sees what pain Mary and Martha are in. He has empathy for them. He cares about them and he's moved with emotion. But there's a third reason why he weeps and that's simply this. Jesus Christ is God in front of us. He is God to us. He is God in the flesh. And so when Jesus weeps, here's what we learn, brothers and sisters. God cares. He is not some absent God who just looks over the world and walks away. He didn't just spin the clock and take his hands off of it. He is an empathetic God who loves us and enters in. He waded into the problems with Mary and Martha. He allowed himself to take on the muck and the mire of the weeping of the crowd and the stench of the cemetery because he loved them. He cared for them. He entered into their pain. Jesus Wept with them. That leads us to the fourth and final truth we learn from this passage. The fourth scene, we see the power of Jesus. We see his power moving among them. Look, look what happens in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, a stone lay against it. So, so in, in Palestine in this time, they would find a cave or carve a cave into uh, the side of a cliff or a, rock, a mountain and, and they would make a trough in front of it and, and hewn a stone into a big circle and so the stone would, would be able to roll back and forth because tombs would be used for multiple people in the family and they would be used for multiple times. And so there would oftentimes be a slab in the tomb where the, the newest death, the 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 one who had died the most recent would be laid on the slab and their body would go through the decaying process. And, and after the time when the body had decayed, they would gather up the bones and place them in a box and, and put the box there in the tomb, in the crypt, and then the next body would be laid on the tomb. There could be more than one slab. And so we find here that Jesus is deeply moved again, verse 38, and he comes to the tomb, the cave where they laid him. 
And Jesus says in verse 39, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Now listen, I am so thankful that the Lord Jesus does not get mad of us when we are weak in our faith. Because Martha has heard Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you believe that I can bring your brother back to life? Yes, I know you can. He's looked at Mary and he's cried and he's hugged. And now he walks to the tomb to do this great miracle and they still have doubts. They're still not sure. They're still feeble in their faith. Even Martha says, Lord, it's been four days. We're in the middle of the desert. He's been laying in a stuffy tomb. He's been laying in a cave. His body, the odor. Why would you want to do it? We know you may want to see him. We know you may want closure, but, but you don't want to see him like this. You don't want to open that grave. It's not going to be good when you open it. The stench of death is in there. But Notice what Jesus does. Jesus said, did I not tell you? That if you believed in me, you would see the glory of God. You see, Jesus made a promise. He made a promise to his disciples. This will not end in death, and the glory of God will be revealed. He made a promise to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll live and not die. He made a promise that he must keep. He made a pronouncement. He's coming to their pain. And if God just enters our pain and does nothing to solve it, then what good is he? But that's not the God that we have. He enters into our pain and he rescues us from it. He moves on our behalf. And so he looks at them and he says, take that stone away. But but notice their faith is, is finally flourishing because they moved the stone. Verse 41, so they took the stone away. Their faith has reached its pinnacle. They've gone from Jesus, where were you? Jesus, we can't go there. It's too dangerous. Jesus, why did you delay? Jesus, I'm hurting and I'm weeping. They've gone through this faith journey all the way to now where they look him in the face and they say, whatever you say, we will do. And they rolled the stone away. And then the Bible records that Jesus prayed. Notice how Jesus prayed in the text. It says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, verse 41, and he said to the Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And Jesus prays in past tense. I thank you, Lord, that this miracle is already a sure thing, that this is already going to happen, that I'm walking in the light, I'm obeying you, you've orchestrated this. I thank you, Lord. And in fact, verse 42 says, I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people. I'm only praying right now so that they'll hear me and realize who I'm talking to and who I am and what I'm about to do. I'm praying for their benefit. I'm praying for them. And then notice what happens. Here it is. The power of God, verse 43. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Come out. With the sound of his voice, death runs away. With the sound of his voice, resurrection is found. With the sound of his voice, all that has gone wrong has been reversed in an instant. And the text says, and when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with clothes. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Some of the text reads, unbind him and let him loose. To turn him loose. The grave doesn't need him. He doesn't need funeral wardrobe anymore. He's free from death. Let him loose. Go with me to the scene. Go with me to the scene of the tomb. They walk to the tomb, weeping 
and crying Jesus with tears running down his face. His disciples constantly crying and looking around for danger. They're afraid of whatever the crowd is going to do. There are skeptics in the crowd. There are mourners in the crowd. There are spies in the crowd. But ultimately, Jesus is there. Why? Because he made a promise and he told them that he was coming. And he's building up their faith and he's showing them that he's God. And up until now, he showed them that he's God over healing the sick and feeding the hungry. And now he will show them the ultimate sign that he is God over death. Go with me to the scene. Jesus says, roll away the stone and the whole crowd hushes. And they stare now into the bowels of this tomb. Maybe there's more than one body laying there. The odor of death rushes out to fill their nostrils and they find themselves overwhelmed with this weird and painful reliving of the moment. But then, then they look at Jesus and they see where once tears flowed down his face, now his eyes are aglow. Now his face is bright and shining with the radiance of victory. And he says to that tomb, Lazarus, come out. And they stare into that cave and they see a body begin to move. And they watch it slide off the table and stumble to the edge of the cave. And understand this, when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, we hear in his voice the very directions of where to go. Lazarus, come out of death to me. Come out of the grave to me. I am the resurrection and the life. Follow my voice. And he stumbles out of the grave. And then he looks at Mary and Martha. And he says, he doesn't need that outfit. For life has come. Brothers and sisters, this is the foreshadowing of Easter. That Jesus raises Lazarus from the death proves to us that what he has promised to do at the cross and the tomb and the resurrection is trustworthy and true. Listen now, Lazarus and Mary and Martha all died again. Lazarus died again. Mary and Martha died. People die. You and I, if the Lord tarries, will die. But Jesus himself showed us that faith in him in the resurrection and the life means that not even death is beyond his grab. That his voice speaks past the tomb. And that he calls out of death those that are in to life. And so just about ten chapters over in the Gospel of John, we will find the Easter story. We will find Jesus crying from the cross, Father, forgive them. Into your hands I commend my spirit. We will find him dying at the very wrath of God in the hands of Roman soldiers, at the, at the scour of the Jewish leaders. We find him buried in the tomb, quiet and silent on that Saturday. But then we find on that Sunday morning, that Easter morning, that he came out of the tomb, that he is resurrected, and he says to us, I live and you may live also. And he declares to us, I am the resurrection and the life, and all who come to me shall live. And so the only question left for you and for me is found in the question that's posed to Martha. Do you believe? What more must he do for you to be convinced that the only answer to death is Jesus? 
It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Easter declares he is the victor over death. And if you want him to call you out of your tomb one day, then you must trust him. You must put your faith in him. Because he has promised. He has promised that wherever the glory of God is revealed, we will be blessed. He has pronounced that He is the resurrection and the life, and that all that are in Him, though we may die temporarily, we will live eternally. He has promised that for those of us that tarry, that wait, that death is around the corner, that He enters into our pain with us. And He has promised by His power that death will not hold us. Brothers and sisters, Easter is is the story. It is the climax. It is the pinnacle. It is the very mountain of God where we understand that all of our hope and all of our dreams and all of our desires and all of our answers and all of our questions about what's after the tomb are answered not in doctrine, not in theology, not in philosophy. They are answered in a person and His name is Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Oh, that you would trust Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You gave us this wonderful true story that You showed us Your power over death. And Father, we're thankful that Your words declare You are the resurrection and the life and that all that are in You will live. Yes, we will die in this temporal world. Yes, we will draw our last breath. But it will not hold us and it will not contain us. For your voice beckons us home and one day you will resurrect our bodies just as you showed us you could through Lazarus and your very own resurrection. We thank you that Easter makes your words true. You are the resurrection. Death couldn't even stop you. It certainly will not stop us if you are for us. Nothing can be against us, not even death. And so I pray right now for the one who's listening that finds themselves as your child, but they're hurting, they're in pain, they're they're suffering. Lord, I pray you'd remind them as you wept with Mary that you enter in their pain, that you know their pain, that you've made an answer to their pain, that the cross and the grave and the resurrection declare you love them and you care about them. Lord, I pray for the one who's watching this and, and right now they have questions about death. They're not sure of their salvation. I pray they will answer the question in faith that you are the Christ and the only way Oh God, I pray this Easter you would save those who are facing the fear of death. We praise you that when we read the story of Lazarus, we see a a punch at death. But we're grateful, Father, that when we read the story of Easter, we know that death has been knocked out. That it's not even a fair fight. That wherever you are, there is life and death is no more. Oh God, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. We pray this in Jesus' resurrected name.